Hi, welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him! Praise him! <laughs> oh. um, today we're going to be talking about Making Babies by Laurie Bell at the Butterfly Club. We're going to be talking about The Ajuna Guest House by Stephen House at La Mama. And we're going to be talking about Beauty and the Beast uh, by Salesian College and Sacred Heart Girls College. Looking forward to having a chat with you. It's yeah. going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, James. Hi. Hey. Um, hello. Hi. My Hi. God, it's nice to be here. Yeah? Yeah, good to have you back. It's good to be back. How are you? Wow, you sounded so sarcastic when you said that. I don't know how to do sincerity. You know this. This is the thing about Jake. Yeah, Jake often sounds sarcastic. Yes. Um, no, I was too earnest as a child and then I got bullied out of it and now I can't bring it back. Wow. That's yeah. a horrible thing to admit just in a podcast. Don't grow up as a homosexual man. Don't do it. This is often the core element of what you write about, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching too many movies like Mary Poppins, and now everyone thinks I have a British accent. Everyone... Oh, sure. Yeah. I get t- bullied, especially at work when I'm on the phone, because I try to be really clear with my diction. Yeah. So I talk like this, and I say, hi, hi, yes, hello, and everyone always teases me, thinking that I'm putting on an accent, but that's just how I talk. You do like chomping on a T. I love a T. It's the diction. Is that really Mary Poppins that did that to you? It wasn't. Like, I watched... I think I just watched too many movies that had British accents in them. Were you watching a... That explains some of your sense of humour, the huh. idea that a lot of British people helped raise you. I mean, I do like British comedy. Mm. Like, like, we're very much a Monty Python sort of household. Right, yes. Um, and Blackadder. Yep, yep, that, yep. Sort of, that sort of stuff. Um, moving on. Yes. It's great to be here. Fantastic. I'm alive. Did COVID didn't get me. No, in the end. not this I mean, time. It did get me. It got me pretty bad. It got, yeah. Like, like... <laughs> Like, pretty bad. Yeah, well, no, it was two weeks of guest co-hosts. Two weeks of... Yeah, good guest co... The... the, I'm out of practice. Good guest co-hosts as well. Out of practice of complimenting people. Saying words out loud, actually. (laughs) I spent a week in solitary confinement, and I've forgotten how to speak to people. Oz taught me that solitary confinement is hard to get through. Oz. Oz. Oh, the TV show. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, okay. not. Was that about the Wizard of Oz? Was it like a sort of vaguely veiled thing? No, in truly no way. No, it was, it okay. was, yeah, obviously set in that prison. From memory, it was like short for like Oswald Penitentiary. Oh, because um, there was that TV show set in a prison that like sort of, I can't remember whether it was through like mental health or something. They sort of descended into the madness of Wonderland or something. Not Wonderland, whatever it that is. That was yeah. a thing that happened. Yeah, like, like. People keep taking swings at these things. I think it, this is what we were speaking about when we spoke about, um, uh, fuck, what's the show called? Which one? Wizard of Oz! Um, that you saw. Yeah. Like, when it's, it's a great, rife little world to take advantage of with it's men. It's a fertile you know? universe. Fur- <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna fuck every Jesus. corner of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was your, how, let's do weeks. How was your week, Jake? What's, how was my week? Yeah, your week. Am I weak? Uh, fine. Kind of, like, relatively uneventful in terms of being, like, you know, full of anecdotes. A bunch of really sweet stuff happened, which I think ties to, and this is not interesting, but I guess it's, like, an overarching thing of, like, my pal Zakaya described it as being due to Leo season, because it's Leo season currently. It It is. And so she, yeah, it just, it seemed like there's this, at least in the people that are sort of, like, around me, or the people that I'm encountering, or people that I'm, like, reconnecting with, like, there seems to be this real spirit of people really kind of, like, 
coming into like this newfound confidence about themselves Ooh. or having like a clearer understanding of the things that they want and the types of, especially like the types of people that they want around or even just people being like a little bit more kind of like brazenly themselves. Oh, I like which that. Which is fun. That's yeah. fun. Leo so, season. Le- it's Leo season, uh, bitch. You're an Aquarius, aren't you? I'm a Gemini, Fuck, you motherfucker. I say this every time. I always think yes, you're Yes, people never expect because they don't think that I'm a, a filthy traitor. Oh, no, they do think that. They, they just do. don't want to admit it. Oh, and they think I'm, I'm more slippery about it when I do it. What are <sighs> Aquarians like? Just wet. I think water and fish. <laughs> <They're> just, <they're, laughs> they reek of fish and they're sopping wet. Yeah, so I assumed yes. you were an Aquarius. But yeah, so Ge- Ge- uh, Gemini are like the, 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 the twins, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense about you, actually. In, are you just saying that to be provocative? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a Libra and I don't actually believe in star science because of it. Is that really what Libras do? Mm-hmm. They're just, what, cold and sceptical? No, I'm joking. Uh, Libras, I think, are meant to be like... Emotionally balanced and can see things from both sides. So your birth certificate was printed wrong. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was born in that weird thirteenth house they found and they decided existed. Oh yes, no, my friend, old David. He is an Afucus. Is that is that what it is? Afucus. Yes. No. Yes, he pronounces it differently, but I'm pretty sure it's Afucus, and I have never corrected him. I hardly know us. That's disgusting. (laughs) It's a little gross. It sounds like mucus. Yeah, no, but he's Afucus. When is Fucus? When is Fucus? Yeah, when is Fucus time? I don't know. Okay, because I'm not genuinely in the 13th house. I was just saying that as a joke. But I oh, sure. Thing. Yeah, no, but if you embrace a Fucus, doesn't everyone get shunted in a direction? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, every, like that's the thing. Like, some Leos are Libras and Libras are Scorpios. Yeah, I think a Fucus turns me into a Taurus, I think. A Fucus just turns me on. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my so God. you're weak? <laughs> uh, don't, I don't I, say that. I don't care about... <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about star signs. You don't... <laughs> Getting out of the way now. Yeah, no. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, for that Leo reason, season. I will give this week... Hmm. <laughs> Let me think about this important answer. I'm going to give it a... Maybe let's cut some of this. Uh, no, no. I need to leave all my <laughs> thinking modes in. Oh. I'm going to give it a 64. Oh. Because... For some reason, that just feels like an astrological, spiritual number for me. It's actually, it's a good video game number, 64 is. Because of Nintendo 64? Because of, well, 64 for a lot of reasons. I'm not sure what the actual reasons are, but it's a number that pops up a lot. Like, you got oh. 8-bit and 64-bit, and like, I know that in a bunch of games, 64 is the maximum amount an item can stack to. Like, it just seems to be, like, a base number that they use in video games quite often. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's you know, interesting. Like, like, base 10, there's, I think... I don't know if I'm making this up, but like I think they use like eight as a base for some of the games. I have no fucking clue. Okay. But yeah, 64. I found out through seeing Cassandra's play last week and then talking to mm. Connor afterwards that, what is it, 42 is that number from Hitchhiker's Guide to the yep. Galaxy? Apparently that there's like this monologue in Cassandra's play, The Marvelous Life of Carlo Gatti, where there's this monologue about how that's a number that they use kind of like as a, like a stand-in number when they don't know the answer to something. In what in what situations? In the same way that, like you know, in like when you learn basic algebra, you use an X before you work out what that number is. Yeah. Like they use forty two instead. Is they like mathematic people? Yeah, like people okay. doing calculus and such. <laughs> and that's why. And Connor realized this in front of me after the show. That it was like, oh, that's why they say the meaning of life is forty two in that shit in that show. Because oh! they don't know what the meaning of life is. So it was like a stand-in number until they have the answer. And he oh, made a similar noise when he worked that out. Yes. That's really interesting. Yeah, right? I used 42 in my email because I was obsessed with Hitchhiker's Guide as a child. Well, there now you, you know Everyone more sent about me emails. That. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, there you go, Jake. 64. That's, yep. You're welcome. Good stars.
Good stars indeed. Hey, hey, hey. Uh. James Webb would enjoy them. I'm an astronomer. Oh, astronomer. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm loving these new photos. These hot pics of oh, the galaxy. Fuck, they're hot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I yeah. love space. It makes me feel small, and that makes me feel safe. It does? Yep. God. I sometimes. Sometimes. It may, sometimes it just makes me feel like, you know, like, why be sad when we're so small? And that makes you feel better. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes sure. it doesn't. Okay. I'm in the large boat of people that feel the opposite way. Like, I can't rewatch that Noah Cyrus music video because oh. it makes me feel too sad. The, the one, music? it's called, it's from, I forget what the name of the song is because it's like not what you'd expect the title of the song to be, but it's something like, the, like everyone you the love James is going to... The James Webb Telescope song. No, it's, a, it's everyone you love is going to die. And the music, <laughs> and like the song itself is so beautiful and so upsetting and you need yeah. to be in the right mood to listen to it. But the music video, it like, it just walks you through the future of what the universe is. And uh... so it's like, in this many million years... The Earth ends. In this many million years, all the stars stop being oh stars. My God. In this many million years, everything will be over. Oh my God, no! And it's like, Noah, what I, are you doing? Oh my God. Okay. If you right. could either go to Noah Cyrus or Miley Cyrus's concert, which one would you go to? I think about this often. I I don't have a strong opinion about Miley Cyrus. Oh, like, okay. I'm, I'm not like. Do you have a strong opinion about oh, Noah Cyrus? A little bit, just because I'm. No, I'd go to Miley. I'd go Miley. Yeah. Like, I just like a lot of her recent stuff, I think. Sure. So okay. I, 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 want, I want to see that. Like, why? Do you have a solid answer ready? I would absolutely go to Noah Cyrus's concert. Yeah. Partially because part of why I avoid concerts is, like, the large crowds. No, I, think, <laughs> I think I'd get along more with Noah Cyrus's audience. there's no one around. Oh, my God. Oh. I think it'd be, like, a smaller thing. I think it'd be more intimate. I think, yeah, I'd have. I'd be more like... And this is a real thing I have to factor in. Uh-huh. I'd be more likely to meet someone that I enjoyed talking to at a Noah Cyrus concert than a Miley Cyrus concert, despite really liking as you say Miley Cyrus's newer music you do need to I back to that I did not you? care for when she turned into a country artist for like a week no I don't care about country Miley no no I want it's just I want surprisingly wasn't where she shone sweaty glamorous rock star Miley yeah that's who I enjoy yeah 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 no I think we're on the same page there okay interesting good I'm glad we established that what it's was good. your week like my week well uh, my fortnight has been awful just because of COVID mm-hmm. um so we'll skip the week before because that was all just spent in my room going insane. Yes. Um, <laughs> however, it did give me a kick in the pants to start shuffling on and wanting to do things with my life, which is exciting. Isn't it amazing when you can't do things yeah. and suddenly think, I want to do all these I things. I want to punch God in the face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've suddenly got a bit of, um, maybe it's Leo season as well. Like, mm. I, I, I do now feel, I want to start figuring out what I'm going to do. Sure. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that sort of throws... Uh, but otherwise, my week has just been work, getting back on the horse, and surprising... No, not surprising. I'm stuck at that reception desk. Back at that reception desk. It bucks like a bronco. Um, uh, but I uh, have been feeling brain fog from COVID. Sure. And I've also been getting asthma things uh-huh. for the first time ever. So it's still very much in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, my week has just sort of been resting mostly. I've been catching up with some friends, but it's been... I'd say like middle of the road this week. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to give my week yes. a certain amount of stars. Yes. And what would that the amount be? The amount would be... Yes. Quick. 63. 63. Mm, one less than yours. Yeah. Price is writing me again. Oh, mm. wait, no, that's the opposite of Price is writing. So you fucked yourself. In Price is Right terms. Price is Right. Okay, you know what? I'm going to go... Actually, you know what? I'm going to go with Deal or No Deal. Yep. And I'm going to say $1. That's not Deal or No Deal. That's Price is Right. 
No deal or no deal where they open up the uh, briefcases. How does one dollar? One dollar is great because like you oh, want to get the smaller wanted... numbers. In oh, when you're like at the end, of, you've already made the deal with the bank, and you want your suitcase to only have a one in it because you've left presumably with more than one dollar. Yeah, I think that's how it works. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So so I'm imagining because you want to leave with more than what's in your suitcase. You don't want to have accidentally picked like the million dollar briefcase and you've left with twenty two hundred dollars. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in that that's how you're balls. deal or no dealing. So I'm deal or no deal. <laughs> yeah, my, in my version of deal or no deal. Yes. <laughs> I have one dollar and I'm happy about it. In the briefcase of your week that you've chosen from the identical models. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best SNLs. Skits where I think it's just um, Tina Fey being like the ditzy deal or no deal girl that like no it's Kristen Wiig just opening up the deal or no deal briefcase but she keeps like just teasing and not opening it and they're like come on Kristen That's open the briefcase pretty good yeah. uh, so I'm Kristen Wiig yes I'm in SNL yes I'm beloved Kristen Wiig I've uh-huh. opened the briefcase yes. it's taken a while yes. it's one dollar everyone's uh-huh. happy yeah uh, that's my week. That does not marry up to your initial premise, but fantastic. I'm are. glad we got to a number. <laughs> <laughs> Quantify. <laughs> Do you want to talk about some goddamn theatre? I would love nothing more. Oh. Ah. Hello, James. Oh, yuck. I don't know why I went with this turn. <laughs> this Disney gay villain? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Prince Abubu. <laughs> it is time to say goodbye to Prince Abubu. That's a good line. That's a good line. <laughs> uh, I hear, I hear uh, 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 one of my many little birdies of Tol has oh, told me. One of that flock. The flock that follows me around. Yes. Um, There's whispering gossip. <laughs> tweet, tweet. Um, what's that little bird? Uh, yes, I hear that you went to the Butterfly Club. I did. Oh, I did. Went to the Butterfly Club. I was seeing. Great. Yep. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, da, I went... da, da, da. That's the end of the segment. Oh, great. Yeah. They, I, yeah, went to the Butterfly Club to see a one woman show called Making Babies. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, by Laurie Bell. Sounds hot. Sounds hot? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's making babies. Uh, which is the sexiest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, went there and it was great. It was opening night, which was nice. Great. And I didn't know anything about this lady or what this show was. And uh, I also, I was kind of like excited to potentially like learn a bit about the making baby process in terms of like what the fuck do you mean what's Were a you vagina explain- no, oh okay right no no <laughs> like the, the woman's side sure yep okay sure, you know sure. it was like part of my it was not like the, the, the leading motivation for going to this show how does sex work <laughs> I like very much just I had had nothing to do and then thought oh go see a show Jake you yep. dumb idiot yeah sounds um, about right yeah so then did that but yeah yeah a much like yeah, a lesser thing was like oh it will be interesting to like potentially like not knowing much about the premise yep. potentially learn a bit about like what it's like to be a woman trying to like have a baby make a baby yeah great um, yeah no so, the, something that was like immediately charming like one of the very early moments of what was happening was like this warning came up at the very start just before Laurie came out to deliver the show she was uh, this thing came up where it's like the some of the things in this show will be quite confronting and so if you leave you can leave and I promise not to make fun of you oh which I thought was nice yeah that's really nice because that's one of those things that really staples a person to their seat is the fear that the person's gonna be like where are you going can't you handle it you fat slut yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so then so Laurie nice. starts Yeah, yeah. So then Laurie starts telling this story about how she uh yeah, started she met this woman and mm-hmm. they fell in love with each other, mm-hmm. which is super nice. And then at some point they decided that they wanted to have a baby together and then kind of like walks us through the experience of that choice and then the effort that they then have to go through as two women oh, trying wow. to have a baby. Yeah. Uh and it 
was so devastating. <laughs> James! No! I did not... I didn't realise how little I knew about, like, even, like, the IVF process. Right, right, right. You know, like, I didn't know... Yeah, in my mind, I guess it was, like, this relatively simple, very scientific, super expensive thing that was fairly cut and dry in terms of, like, I... Watching Garfunkel and Oates, that TV show that no one else watched, yep. taught me about um, how, how many times you have to, like, syringe yourself. Like, just, like, Oof. sticking injections into yourself just constantly to get your hormones to be correct. But, yeah, I guess I just didn't realise, like, the toll that that could potentially take on a person's body. Like, I guess I didn't know yeah. what those hormones were doing. Like, she talks about how her, like, wife, girlfriend, I don't know what it was at the time. I think they were wives by then. But uh, the, the the way that she, that the hormones had this sort of like tremendous impact on her body to the point where she was like in a bunch of pain and reacted really strangely to having all this new stuff inside of her body. There was this part where they decided to go through with using Laurie as the person that was going to carry the baby. And she, they had to put her through menopause, Ooh. like in an effort to make her more, more fertile. They put her through menopause oh. so that then they could like, then they could reboot her hormones afterwards. And that what? would make her like, so she went through this like a, like extra puberty and that would make her more capable of having a child. Oh my God. That it, sounds so much more in depth than I, yeah, than I also thought it would be. Yeah. Oh my God. Cause I think the only time I've seen I, like IVF in like, like a TV show or something was um the new normal I think was the show with like, oh, Andrew Reynolds and Justin Bartha yes my husband's Justin Bartha your husband Justin Bartha yes Ian he's oh, he's the guy in the Hangover that they always leave behind yes that's oh, right the best you one in the Hangover love him. yes yes and he's also in the Good Fight ah oh, yes the I've Good not Wife spinoff oh it's got Alan Cumming in it doesn't it has it? Uh, Alan Cumming's in the Good Wife Good Wife and then Sarah Steele who plays his daughter in the Good Wife plays the same character in the Good Fight. With Christine Baranski. Oh, it's got Christine Baranski. Yes. That's right, it's got all those Broadway stars in it. It's just Broadway star after Broadway star. Why is that the case? Aaron Tavit playing a lawyer. Have you seen it? it, You should. Into it, into it. Oh my God. Um, Wheeling it back here a little bit. Andrew Reynolds being a Broadway star. Bernadette Peters plays like a sperm wife in the pilot episode. I love Bernadette Peters in Mozart in the Jungle. I still haven't seen that. I've seen like the first two seasons and Bernadette Peters is the best part of that show. Does she down. sing? She does this like one bit where she sings like, come on to my house, to my house. God, I hate that song. Oh, but Bernadette oh. Peters, it's just something else. Fuck yes. Um, oh my God. Her playing Ivy Lynn's mother in Smash. I know you haven't seen Smash. I have seen it. And I know I talk about it too much. But her playing a, like a fictional kind of version of Bernadette Peters in Smash, oh. getting a Tony and they play Bernadette Peters' oh. <laughs> acceptance speech in the recording of the Tony Awards where she's playing someone that isn't Bernadette Peters uh, is immaculate maybe television. Maybe should watch Smash. Oh my god. I mean, I love Patty LuPone in American Horror Story Season 3. In what way is that similar to... Broadway <laughs> Stars! <laughs> okay, it sounds like you just like stage divas. I like stage divas. Yes, like Beanie Feldstein. Why are you looking at me like that? I don't know who Beanie Feldstein is. We were just is. talking about the funny girl crisis. How Beanie Feldstein... Has been taken out of Funny Girl and replaced with Leah Michelle, the illiterate superstar. That oh, is. I didn't know that's what happened. Yes, I missed that memo. Are you the only homosexual that hasn't been told about this? I've been locked in my room for a week. I thought we got text messages from the prime minister. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked her. <laughs> She's not on my phone. Um, okay, Beanie. Anyway, yeah. Who names their daughter Beanie? The parents of Jonah Hill. Is Beanie Hill Jonah? Oh my God, you know nothing. I know nothing. These are important facts. Wow. Yeah. We should all be keeping track of the war in Ukraine and Beanie, Beanie Feldstein. Hill. <laughs> Bean, so, but wait, is she Beanie Hill or Beanie Feldstein? Beanie Feldstein. 
Do you think I've been accidentally saying Feldstein instead of Hill this entire time? Maybe. I don't know. You know yeah. what? This is uninteresting. For people <laughs> people anyway. don't care about this. Um, so, my, so my only... IVF, yes. IVF, yeah, yeah. has been new normal. And yes. that was all played as sort of like cutesy, oh, my tummy hurts. Yeah. Um, but this sounds like it's just a lot more. So, yes, yes. And the, sh- the whole show was really funny and really delightful. Um, yeah, and it was great to spend time with Laurie and like you get, get to know her and this like yeah. part of her life because it was, oh my God, when she talks about... And this sort of happens like midway through, I guess. So it's like, I don't think it's giving anything away, but it was like, it was just so moving the way that, and it was like, it was across the board with all the stories that she was telling, but she tells the experience of having a miscarriage. And it's like, and maybe don't listen to this part if you don't want to hear about this type of, you know, maternal tragedy and whatnot. Um, Yeah, but tells the story of her experience of having a miscarriage and like the ins and outs of, of like what it's like to begin to carry a child and then no longer be carrying that child. Oh. And it was like, gruel. It was like, yeah. oh my God. And, but, and just in the way that like, it wasn't, it wasn't even necessarily in the words that she was using as wonderful as they were in terms of like efficacy and conveying the profundity of what she went through. But it was like seeing the way that the story still occupied so much of her body and like the, the gravity that it, that it held for her. It was like, Oof. it was part of what makes like, you know, like one person's storytelling so entrancing and necessary because you see the effect that stories have on the the you know the human self yeah know? right it was oh my god it was oh so upsetting um, i mean that sounds horrible yeah real bad yeah <laughs> yeah Oof. um but yeah but yeah but yeah the, the story continues though but it was nice it was also nice to hear about the fact that they found this, this like drag queen friend of theirs that was happy to like be the sperm donor for everything oh you know oh. yeah could okay. you be <laughs> Someone's sperm donor. Jesus. And okay. they said that part of what was like challenging about finding a person to donate their sperm was that so many of the people that they approached were like, but I want to be part of their life like as a father in some sort of way. Could you yeah, just that's like fair. handball sperm across and be like, potentially never seeing that child? I mean, I've seen like, for instance, on when I was on the dating apps, like on Grinder, once in a blue moon, I would see like, like, yeah, people on there looking for sperm donors. Uh. For, for their babies. Yeah. And there was a part of me that for a while was like, yeah, I could do that. Mm. And I think I, I think I still could. Like, I don't think... I think partly, and it's funny because I've been thinking recently a lot about having children and, like, what that would mean and how that would work. Um, thinking about having children in terms of actually going through with it or just, like, the concept of potentially one day deciding to have children? I guess, I guess the concept of being a father. More, yeah. more. Just, like, okay. th- th- that sort of part of it. Um, and sort of like what it would take to do that. And sorry, my brain, what am I, brain? No, that's fine. Fog, fog, fog. Um, wow. Everything just left my brain. That's fine. I'll just keep saying things like baby and womb, um, vulva, um, <laughs> lady you, of menorah. You're thinking about being a father. Being a father. You're thinking about sperm donation. You're thinking about. Sperm, sperm donation. Yes. Oh my God. That, I'm sorry. That's COVID fog. Ah, uh, sperm Fine. donation. <laughs> I could do it, is what I'm saying, because mm. I don't think I have. I think I've. I think I've trained myself to imagine that if I do have kids, I I know that I will be adopting. Yeah. So I know there will already be no genetic sort of, you know, transfusion going on there. <laughs> so what a beautiful way to put it. Yes. You yes, know, yes. medical. <laughs> um. So I don't think I have necessarily in me the sort of desire to have a child that I am biologically related to. That's not like a driving force behind me. So I don't feel the Are need... Are you saying you have no desire for that? 
Or that's just not a thing that you put on much. It's of not a thing I put much like care into because sure. I don't because I know I'm not going to. I realize that there is the, the voice being like, "Make sure that there's another James before you die." Is now, a very very tiny whisper in your mind. Well, I mean, the voice is there, but it's also like, I, I don't feel like I need to pump a baby out for it to be mine. You know, like great. Okay, sure. If I'm raising a child, I'm raising the child. That's that's the part of making sure that there's another you, if that's what you want. Oh, because you think that the weight of having raised someone is similar to your genetic makeup being inside of them. Well, like, I think the genetic makeup is only so much. Like, it, it I think it's a cliche to say, but it's all down to raising yeah. the child. Like, right. that's that's what being the parent is. But so okay, but that's really nice that you because I've never heard someone sort of like align the thought of the genetic composition of someone being. Of like the same value and weight, yeah. as having re- like raised the person. I think I think it's yeah. I think it's it depends on who you are and what you want. But I think that's but that's me. who you are. That's what yeah, you think. Yeah, exactly. So sure. I so I think I could very easily do sperm donatorship. Yeah, and and not have any problems with it because I don't because then that would become someone else's child. Yeah, and they would raise that child, and I would have nothing to do with them. Sure, and I wouldn't have. Would, why do you would, do you have like a little voice in your head saying? Don't let the sperm run away, Jake. <laughs> ah, it's there. Yeah. It's not driving any of my actions in any sort of conscious way. Um, but I think, and I think that's mostly just a primal thing, I suppose. Yeah, we gotta know. we gotta move on beyond our base urges. <laughs> yeah, some of our base urges should be a little bit more ignored than uh-huh. they are. Yeah. Would you no. want if you were to if you were a, a lady and you needed a sperm donatorship? Would you want one from a drag queen? <laughs> <laughs> So, sorry, Laurie. I just I'm sorry. is that a pretend tone you're putting on to suggest it's a pretend wrong tone? It's a funny, I'm trying to make a like just <laughs> go on, James. No, now that I've said it out loud, I, I don't think I want to go any further. Just to be with clear, this. there's nothing wrong with the sperm from a drag. No, queen. absolutely nothing wrong. There's no. nothing wrong with the sperm from anyone. Wait, so okay, no, but assuming that there is no prejudice in your question, God, no. do you have like an idealized? If you're a woman wanting a sperm donation, who would you look for? What like, is there like? A okay. handful of criteria. If 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 I am a lady and I need and I want, if my well, it depends. If my goal is to produce a perfect offspring, is that your goal? No. Okay. What's your goal? I have a child. So I guess I would. So go anyone for a will friend. do. Anyone will <laughs> Just do. Just get in it's Sperm. <laughs> as long as there's no like bad swimmers, they're sperm. As long as it's goopy. As long as it's goopy and warm, <laughs> get it up there. You really? know. Yeah, you would yeah. really spin the wheel that randomly. Like, I mean, I would probably like. I think I would as oh, here we go. Laurie, I think, here yeah. we go. <laughs> as it sounds like Laurie did, I think I would choose someone I know and someone that like. Okay. Like I think, but more just because of the sentimental reason of just picking someone that you care about. Okay. I think would be would would feel better than to just take sperm from a stranger because it does feel better to know where it's coming from. I am not I'm not licensed to talk about this. But I then do not... you then run into and maybe this doesn't matter to you. Do you not then run into the thing of like if you get the sperm off like imagining that you're yep. a woman and I'm still a man, Go you on. use my sperm, do you not then worry that there'll be some sort of like weird complicated thing where it's like I am well, literally and the that's father the thing. genetically and that might add some complexity? Would you rather just go random? But that, I think, I don't think, if I were to choose, like, a friend of mine, I don't think it would be you. Like, it wouldn't be a close, close friend. It would be, like, uh. no, because of the reason you <laughs> no, say, because I on. see you I'll all cry time. quietly yeah. and you can talk. No, it would be, like, I don't know, it would be someone that, God, that's a question I can't even really fathom. Like, so I can't. What, just, like, a hottie in, like, the outskirts of your friendship circle. Sure, why not? Yeah. 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 Maybe. I mean... I can't even think about what I would do in this situation. This is not a situation I've ever needed to think about seriously. Uh-huh. Why? Do you, would you pick a, a stranger? Uh, a strange... No. Ah, 
da, 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 da. No, the more think... and more I talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I think I would pick a stranger. Pick a stranger? Yeah. No, no, I think I would pick a person that I knew that I was... I think part of me would have to be like curious about what our sperm and junk would do together. Okay. <laughs> Want to elaborate on that, Captain? Just in the way of like, there are people where it's like imagining that I were capable of just, you know, squelching us together. And, you know, there's apps where you yeah, can take yeah, your two photos yeah. of your faces and put them together. There are people where I'd be like, oh, my qualities and my physical structure with their qualities and physical structure, I would really like to meet the person that not only the, like how they would look, but mm. also having been raised by me and my hopefully, like at this point, imaginary partner, uh-huh. what that person would end up being like. And also like the nature versus nurture thing of like assuming, like even take raising out of it. It's like the things that I inherently am and what they inherently are, yeah. what sort of person that would produce. Do you think it's nature or nurture? <laughs> it's Let's ask, crack that one it's open. Both of them. I think it's just nurture. I think nature has so little to do with it. No? It kind of nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, no, I said it the right way around. Not nothing, but I think, like, other than, like, predispositions to certain allergies, I don't think nature has that much to do with who you are as a person. Sure, okay. Like, I think it's it's all nurture and the world around you. Okay, so then that does make you on the side of things where it's gayness is caused by lifestyle factors? Not to make everything gay. Oh, God, but I also think, like, gayness is... The... Heinous. Because of <laughs> Heinous in the anus. Um, <laughs> heinous gayness in the anus. Oh, you yeah, yeah, I guess I would be one of those people. Yeah. Rut-row. <laughs> Rut-row indeed, Scooby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on from this. Yeah, before you start preaching to pray the gay away, we should move on to the next show. Yep. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't like... Thanks, thanks, Laurie, that's good. <laughs> Hit it! Hit it? Okay, it's been hit. <laughs> oh, good. Scan off. Um, hi, Jake. Hello, James. I also went to see a show this week. Oh, not to be one up. Not to be one up. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I saw the show. That you saw the show. And then I. The show everyone's talking left about. the show and I went home after the show. Oh, look and at I you. I had thoughts about the show and I thought I would talk to you about those thoughts about the show. What a great impulse. Do you like that? We should um, start a podcast. We should... <laughs> yeah, we deserve to be heard. Um, <laughs> the Ajuna Guest House. <laughs> we deserve to be heard. <laughs> uh, uh, the Ajuna Guest House is the show that I saw. What's it called? The Ajuna Guest House. It's just because they're unfamiliar words, yeah, so I thought it's worth it's repeating. A-J-O-O-N-A. Ajuna. Ajuna. Guest House. Great. Um, written and performed by Stephen House. Great. Which I didn't realise, as Jake pointed out, House House. The Ajuna Guest House by Stephen House. There's a house in both of There's those things. There's a house things. in both of those things. Oh my god. <laughs> Which you didn't notice. Yes. A chair is not a chair. A chair is actually a chair. Even if there's no one sitting there. No, a chair, a chair is chair still a chair. Is a chair. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, a chair is still a chair. Okay, right. um, yes. Um, so is that the La Mama HQ? Sorry, I'm stuck on the lyrics okay. to that song. <laughs> no, just a second. Uh-huh. I just need to sort it through before my brain can move on. Go on. A chair is still a chair, even if even there's, if no, there's one no one sitting there. there. Yes. But a house is not a home. Great. Okay, good. When I come home and turn the key, oh. Please be, be there, there, still in love with, with one less <laughs> bell to wear. Is this Sorry. the Glee mashup? Oh, fuck yes it is. Oh. The best mashup out of Glee. I like All that right. there's been a resurgence of people appreciating the I Will Survive Survivor mashup, which I honestly oh. did not consider very important when it happened. Honestly, a lot of those Glee mashups were really fucking good. Some of them. Oh. Well, yeah, well, not to be bold. Controversial. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I will, I will. Um, so, when did the... <laughs> oh, not you worry. I've lost interest in that topic already. Yes. Go on. Um, it's Leo season, bitch. Um, <laughs> so, I... Move, it's Leo season. <laughs> um... 
Yeah, Sorry, what? Adjuna Guest House. Adjuna Guest House, yeah. Yes, um, <laughs> fire through the brain fog. Go, you can't. What? An offensive little impression. <laughs> Continue. No, no, that's good. Adjuna Guest House. <laughs> what am I doing? Uh, at La Mama HQ, the new La Mama space. I don't know how recently it was finished with the renovations. Do you mm. know? When it was finished? Yeah. Uh, oh, I feel like oh, a couple of months. A couple of, yeah, because it's still yet it to go in. It feels brand new. It's beautiful. I it's didn't really realize gorgeous. that, like, and. D- had you gone to La Mama before it burned down? Yes. So for those listening who may not know, the La Mama HQ space burnt down. It was a tragedy. And it has now been rebuilt thanks to a lot of donations from all sorts of people. And we're all very happy and proud. It's the Notre Dame of Melbourne. It's the Notre Dame. <laughs> Let the Amazon burn. Um, <laughs> so what? Sorry. Yes, I did. <laughs> I love sneaking, sneaking in your backdoor politics. I was like, <laughs> oh, I've been talking a lot about the world ending recently. It's on my mind. Yeah. Um, we... <laughs> Yes, I went. I went before um, before it burned down. I saw um, Jack Beebe in a show there uh, before it burned down. Great. Yeah. I guess I was only asking because, like, apparently, I was talking to my pal Harry. She said that a lot of the, it's they've kept a lot of like the architectural shape of things. Yes, yeah, it's almost it's very true to what it was. Like the the main brick part of the building is almost exactly the same. Really, like you can see. So we ran into Julian, who was the lighting. Wait, you're saying we? Who did you go to? Sorry, this? I went with Flynn. Flynn being <laughs> my boyfriend. Oh, yeah, wow. Great. Oh, my God. Jesus. Sorry, I'm so excited for you. I will not get into it. We've been together for over a year, Jake. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's recent. It's recent. It's very, very recent. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So done. you and me and Flog. Flog. Yes. <laughs> Flog and I went to yes. see this show, uh-huh. um, and uh, we ran into Julian, who was the li- did the lighting and sound for this show, uh-huh. and um. I assume worked at La Mama. Okay. Um, he pointed out we could see like the bricks at the top of the building are like shiny and new. Like you can see where they laid the new bricks, but they've kept it all very authentic to what the building was. Shiny and new. Shiny and new. Like a virgin. Continue. Touched for a very. <laughs> yeah. Um, the best version of that song is, of course, from Mulan Rouge. Of course. Oh, like a virgin. It's the best thing that those two actors will ever do. Absolutely. Is oh that my God. number. Okay, yeah, yeah. incredible. Um, <laughs> incredible, amazing. Um, so the building itself is, is fairly authentic to what it was, but the, the courtyard space in front of it is almost like entirely new. Because like, they added that cubby house, didn't they? They added that cubby house? There's a cubby house at the front now. The bar. I think it's like an office. Yeah, the bar and... Um, the thing uh, on the left, Yeah, the you very go, front. Yeah, it's still. I think there was a bar there originally. There was a bar closer to the entrance to the big... Yeah. But now they've added that, like, at the very front on the left, there was never that weird cubby house that they've built there. I think it's, like, a little rehearsal space or something. Oh, I didn't... Oh, that that may have just looked like a building to me. I thought it was, like, the other part of a different building. You look like a building (laughs) to me. You got windows and doors. (laughs) Your face looks weird. Um, so... There were so many songs about architecture in If Then. I guess there weren't really? that many. Yeah, there were a couple. Anyway, she was an architect. <laughs> I thought like there should have been more songs about architecture in Next to Normal. I did not see that. But I've never but seen it. The before. show itself, in general. There should be more they're songs both about... architects. And they design the house they live in. Like, that's a huge. I want a BuzzFeed listicle of all <laughs> of the architect characters in musical theatre. There's two of them. Look, there's my request. <laughs> BuzzFeed, get <getting> it. <laughs> I know you're listening, BuzzFeed. So I do in a guest house. <laughs> yes. Um, so the space itself is beautiful. They've also installed, like, an accessible wheelchair. Like, they've done really great things with the space. Yeah. Um, we did the... It was really nice to go in and do the raffle. Oh, yeah. I always forget that La Mama does that raffle, and um, Flynn won. Oh, God. Won the raffle. Nightmare and a blessing. That's good. It was so good. It what was did Flurg win? Flog won the <laughs> script to the show. Oh, great. Yeah, which is a published uh, script. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Stephen House, 
is a he describes himself as a queer nomad, which I really like. Okay. Um. He and he's in, he, in his life he does. And he's like because after the show, Flynn and I looked at. We really enjoyed the show, so we we, we read up about um, Stephen and um. Yeah, he he's, he travels a lot. Uh, and he's more, he's, um, in an interview he described himself more as a poet than a playwright. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and he's, and he's never done any formal training, mm. and he just speaks from the heart, and he writes down what has happened in his life, and it's really, really great to see. And it's so nice, I was going to talk about this later on, but I, 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 the, I think the thing that Fl- Florg and I appreciated the most <laughs> was just, um, older queer voices. Yeah. Older queer voices, and I think... I just haven't been around a lot of older queer voices recently, so it was really refreshing to go and see this. Um, especially going to La Mama and just, I don't know, it just felt, we ran it because it was opening night as well. Hmm. Uh, we were in the, in the courtyard, there were like quite a few of um, Stephen's friends and there were like this old camp group of queer people. It was just, it felt very communal and nice. Yeah. And I haven't had that feeling going like to Like their friendship group scene. The friendship of the group themselves. Yeah. And also just the vibe of the opening night felt very like, oh, we're all here to see our friend do the work and hmm. like, we, like... I don't know, it felt like sort of hearkening back to a different time of queer relationships. It just felt really nice. Right. And I haven't had that feeling of queer community going to the theatre in a while. Oh. Yeah, which feel, feels a bit sad to say. Um, That's yeah, so lovely. Yeah, have you had, had that sort of queer, like, I don't know, felt in touch with the queer community when, you go, when you've seen the theatre? Oh, recently? just generally speaking, the just queer community. Just generally speaking, yeah. Um... Oh God, no! But I think I always, as many of us do, bring so much baggage to any experience yeah. like that. Like I get very fearful at any like thought of a bunch of gay men being together. Totally. Not that gay men are the only part of the queer community, but I just that's that's the. <laughs> They're first... the ones worth listening that's... to. Oh. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> Stop yelling at us, yeah, sorry guys. Um, the um, yeah, no. So that that that's the first thing that goes up. No, but I think, no, but I think I tend to find it more in like those little pockets of. Because I think too as well with the queer community being so diverse and sprawling, mm. like I think for that to feel like what I feel like the sense of a community feels like, I think I see more potently in small groups of any members of the LGBTQIA plus community when it's more functioning in like little little pockets, like you're yeah. saying. Like I think that's when because yeah. I think for it, the the general sense of community, like days like like the Midsummer Carnival and stuff, those sorts of times, I guess. In definition, it's a bunch of us all in a big public space together yeah. that is in essence a community. But I think when I feel the things that I think are wonderful about a community, it's when I'm at things like theatre or even less like like seeing a bunch of like queer people at a lunch or something. And it's yeah. like, oh, seeing you all like engaging and being open about yourselves and with yourselves and even just like being out in the community as a group of people all loving and respecting each other, especially with, as you're describing, like people that have... Like, stood the test of time growing up That's, in this society yeah. and being, like, and getting to, you know, like a, I don't know, an older age and still having those friends around them and, like, witnessing the support that exists and is needed by people like us in this community. And they were so quick to sort of take Flynn and I into the conversation. Really? And, yeah, like, we were hanging around and, and, and just sort of, because sta- it's a small space, but we were standing nearby them and we sort of commented on the building and they were so quick to just sort of dive and be like, yeah, it's been reconstructed really well. And dive in and had a conversation. It was just so nice. Jesus, that's nice. Yeah, and I think that's what made it so, it was just seeing these older queer people who are just so sure of themselves. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It was just really, yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice. <laughs> Sorry to turn into that character. No, that's, no, no. That sounds really lovely. Yeah, so that was the intro into this show that we then sat down and watched. So oh, that all happened before the that show. That all happened before the show. Oh my God. Yeah, so it was yeah. immediately like, oh, okay, this is this is really nice. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, then the show just b- proceeded to be just Stephen coming out, and it was just a one-man show with with him and like three three silk scarves that he used as scenery and a chair, and that was it. Yeah. And he just performed this long monologue about his life in India when he was younger, and I'm not sure how much of it is based on uh, factual truth of his life. Um, I know that he did travel in, in India when he was younger, but um, this story of Essentially, the story sort of boiled down to uh, the, uh, struggling with addiction and, and sort of going through those journeys and, and sort of the, the wild life you live when you're younger and how, as people get older, it's sort of drugs in particular forces people to separate into people that are going to stop doing them and move on with something else or people that are just going to stay in that quagmire. Yeah. Um, and it was, there, was some, there was some really harrowing, harrowing stuff in the show. Um, but um, we, we really like the way he presented, because he presented himself. The, okay, so, so so the story of the Ajuna guest house is set when Stephen is as old as he is now. He's older. He's, go, he's going back to the Ajuna guest house, and the Ajuna guest house is sort of like this New Delhi flop house sort of thing. It's this. What's a flop house? Like a half, like somewhere between a shitty motel and a, I almost want to say halfway home. Like, it's where people, it's like, 10 bucks a night, you can just have a room, and it's sort of whatever goes. Okay. So it's where a lot of people who are um, in, mainly it's heroin. A lot of people who are heroin addicts go to the Ajuda Guest House. A lot of people who are, like, looking for a quick night to stay and have a quick fuck go to the Ajuda Guest House. And it's this sort of place where Stephen, at least the character that he plays in the show, when he was younger, used to frequent a lot when he was working in the Bollywood movies as an extra. Mm. And he would go over with his friend Rosie that he met there and they would sort of be in these movies, they'd go out, they'd get high, they'd party, they'd dance, they'd fuck and have this really exciting young life. And now it's him when he's older and he still goes back to New Delhi because he has grown to sort of feel connected to the, the people and the spirituality there. And sort of witnessing I guess like shadows of his old life like for instance out in the hall out in the corridor he, he keeps running into Rosie who he worked with in the Bollywood movies but now she's this and the way he described Rosie I really really liked and the way he then played Rosie it was just sort of like oh I've seen this woman on the streets in Melbourne like it's she's got a green tinsel belt and like gold clackety clack high heels and she sort of is confused all the time and uh, do I know you mm. like she the, it was tragic and and he would sort of I don't know hearing the way he spoke to her would sort of be like hi Rosie yeah hi it's good to see you and he would sort of try to be there for her but she's just so far gone yeah and I don't know like twice in the show he's offered the brown sugar which is what they call the heroin in the area yeah and and he has to watching Stephen then sort of who clearly has gone through these struggles like then have to sort of deny himself any of the heroin and say no I I can't not now and then Rosie describes it as do you want it it's God and like hearing it and sort of I don't know I just as someone who has an addictive personality yeah it was a it was very harrowing to watch and sort of obviously I've never done heroin <laughs> should clarify that now I don't know if that's obvious to people okay yep. <laughs> that's, that's fair there's nothing wrong hey with guys, doing heroin no. Do heroin if you want. Don't do heroin. <laughs> but if you've done heroin, Jake, there's nothing I wrong think with. You should stop talking there's about nothing the heroin. Wrong with having done heroin. No, I agree. I've definitely had a methy cap once or twice, but I've sure. never done heroin. Sure, and um, I'm not endorsing it. No, absolutely. <laughs> but um, I think 
I don't know, struggles, struggles that I've had in the past with, just sort of watching the extreme version of that sort of carried out by someone who has so clearly been through and around it. It was just, yeah, it really shook me quite a bit to my core. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was really harrowing. Um, And I don't think I really realised that until now, because I didn't speak about it with Flynn, that part, because I didn't notice. Uh, Yeah, sorry, that's what that was. Wait, so what are you currently going through right now? I don't know. What am I currently going through right now? I really enjoyed the way Stephen portrayed struggling with addiction. And he didn't vilify the people that were addicted. And he, he tried to help the people that were addicted. But he, but there was a certain part where he, at the end of the show, spoilers. Sp- skip ahead if you don't want a spoiler. Yeah. Um, he, he basically leaves. He just has to get out and he leaves. And Rosie sort of comes to him as he's getting on the train. He's like, please take me with you. I need to go. I need to get out of here. And he just can't because, she, like... There's nothing he can do for her at that point. Mm. Like, there's no way to help her. She owes money. She's in trouble. But it's like, this is what you did. Like, this yeah. is what your addiction has led you to. And I don't know. It was... I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But it was just... it was. He, I feel he really conveyed that really well. Um, and sort of... It... Conveyed what? The way that some people are beyond help? What, what did he convey well? The way, Not the way that some people are beyond help. But the way that sometimes you do just need to... I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Almost, you you need to look out for yourself before you can help other people. And so he had to get out of there and leave. And just leave Rosie behind. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of made me second guess. Now, just people you see on the streets, like, oh, God. I don't know. I, it's so much hard. It's just... I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Sure. Do you have any thoughts that have come sure. from this? No, no, yeah, I suppose you, you just mentioning people on the streets and stuff. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I don't know. I guess that puts me in the train of thought of people and the way that people are so easy. Like some people are especially capable of kind of like disregarding people, generally speaking. Yeah. You know, um, and deeming only certain people worthy of kind of like their everyday pedestrian kindness that they would extend to. Yeah whatever, you know, people meet the criteria or exist in that short list of people that they will treat with decency. Mm. And obviously, like, people living on the street often fall outside of that collection of people yeah, totally. worth treating with respect. And uh, and I think, too, it's like, as this show seems to have touched on, it's like, we are all kind of living the consequences of our actions. Mm. Um, but that's also, of course, at the mercy of the, the grace of the society that you live within as well. Yeah. Like... I don't know, there's like 12 thoughts in my head at once. But it's, yeah, the, the support that exists for people in the circumstances that they're in, regardless of those circumstances, mm. is interesting and kind of indicative of... I don't know, it makes me think of, like, I forget who said it, but it was someone saying that, like, the reason that all theatre is political is because it's all just about people wanting things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of what politics boils down to, and it's kind of what the values of a society boils down to as well. Like, what do people want and how hard is it for them to get it? God. And I think, I think, now that I've had thought about it a bit, I think yeah. part of what shook me a bit was, like, hearing about his life growing up and being that, going to work in the movies and going out and having having drugs and fun. It was like, I like that sounds like a fun life. Yeah. And it just sort of made me think, like, how many friends do we have now that are in that lifestyle? that are just maybe one day going to end up growing up like Rosie or growing up like Stephen. Like, like which, yeah. 
it just made me feel like, oh, which way are they going to go? Which way am I going to go? Like, what, what's... What's going to happen? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. And you also wonder, too, like, how much... <laughs> and I don't know what guardrails should be in place, but to what extent should people be allowed to make rosy choices? <laughs> well, yeah. Totally. Um, and that, that, sorry, that tone may have sounded like I didn't think people should be allowed to. Like, I absolutely think, yeah, you should absolutely be able to do whatever you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Mm. Um, I guess as long as you're also afforded the necessary support and education. That's the thing, isn't yeah. it? And I think here, 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 <clears throat> pardon me, hearing him, hearing Stephen describe the squalor in New Delhi at the time was horrible. Like, yeah. where they went to get the heroin, he described it as like, there was like this scrappy little dog playing with this baby that was just lying on the street mm-hmm. and like next to this man who probably could have been dead that like he wasn't moving and the baby was playing with his hand and just that's where they went to get the drugs and that was just like one of the group of people it's like this is what people end up as if no one looks out for them and they fall prey to their own addictions yeah um but it just made me so sad yeah that sounds really upsetting very upsetting sorry Which... to be a downer no no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there was there was just one other bit line line in particular. I can't remember exactly what the line was. I'll ask Flynn because he got the script. Um, <laughs> um, where when because Rosie <laughs> just living a life where you have to rely on raffles for these sorts of good fortune. <laughs> we won. That's just a dystopian future, baby. It's yeah, like that's which awful. that's what that is. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, Rosie goes to get heroin and takes Stephen with her because if Stephen doesn't come, she might be bashed or just get a bad deal. And so he comes with her as his way of sort of like looking after her. And they go to get the the heroin and she gets it and immediately starts smoking it. And Stephen just describes like, oh. And then for a brief second, I can sort of see the beautiful woman that Rosie is still when she's sort of in that space where she has no worries, all of her fears are taken away. She's just in that beautiful space that drugs take you to. Mm. And, like, I can see my friend back for, like, just a few moments, and then the addiction comes back and she needs more. And it was, like... It just made me so sad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Rosie. That's devastating. Yeah. Oh, God. But even the... I don't know. I have, for some reason, over the last couple of months or so, I suppose, been thinking about... Drugs. Yeah, cool, man. <laughs> Drugs, but in the way that they connect to the idea of what like consciousness and the human experience is in the first place. You oh, know? And baby, it's like, don't get me started. Right? Yeah. And it's like, it's sensations and it's feelings. And mm-hmm. it's like, that is what our capacity to experience whatever human yep. existence is. It, it is just sensations is and feelings. And we find these things that give us these feelings that we enjoy feeling, so we keep wanting to feel them. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we demonize them or make them hard to get or they, they aren't survivable. But it's, I don't know, interesting the way that, yeah, some get demonized, some are dangerous, some are so enticing. Um, I think it's I... good that heroin is demonized. It seems pretty vicious. Oh, of course. Like, it yeah. seems bad. No, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's interesting that that's kind of what our experience is. Like, it is just kind of like a series of sensations and feelings and emotions. And that's what people who are chasing this high are become. That's what they want. And that's and I totally... And the thing is, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Well, you can, and I think part of what why it's so gettable is because you can boil anything down to that thing as well. Like, anything that we want yeah. is partly because it'll feel good when we get it. It's all sensations and nerves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gully. Which is interesting. 
um, raffles as an analogy Uh for privilege. Okay, so this is year 12. (laughs) (laughs) We're not a VCU. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I have nothing else to say. I think you should write a young adult dystopian novel. (laughs) Called what? Called uh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be like A25 or something like that Whichever raffle ticket you want You know like Oh sure that's Oh sure be. Oh my god And the, the name of the novel would be The ticket that the person The novel's about won Yeah with. and each one's a different person And it's just about their experience Winning the raffle And what it does for and them And it probably progresses Maybe like five years at a time We're describing the Hunger Games No Oh no We're describing the Hunger Games But, no, but, but instead of going into Battle Royale They maybe win something is yeah, it, do you yeah. imagine the raffle is good or bad? Do you want to win the raffle? If there's only one person, surely it's not just. It's like, got to be good. It's got to be. A if good you thing. win the raffle, we shoot you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> if you win the raffle, oh, how's this? If you win the raffle, yep. you get sedated and drugged up into this beautiful, wonderful state of mind where nothing's ever wrong again. Why and do they only do it one person at a time? Because the drug's really expensive. And it's a way to keep people pleased and happy to be in the society. You could win the raffle and then you could And be... you get more tickets in the raffle if you do things to, like, yep. serve you get the paid society. In tickets. You get paid in tickets. The currency is all ticket. Jake. Oh, my Write God. Write it down. Write, Write it, down. it down. Oh, my God. You guys out there, if you steal this... <laughs> oh, copyright. Right. Copyright. That would, <laughs> that would save us a bunch of work if you wanted to write this instead. But, <laughs> but somehow right. we want money from it. <laughs> Sweet man. Royalties. <laughs> no, I don't want money. I want tickets. You... Oh, oh, in the book the whole time. The show. The show. <laughs> okay, uh, Junior Guest House. We we talked about this. We cannot just say the title of the show at the end of talking it's about the show. It's been two weeks. I forgot. <laughs> Taylor's oldest time. Jesus Christ! <laughs> that truly took me off guard. <laughs> uh, carry on. Ah, uh, carry on. Yeah, pretend I didn't say anything. Pretend. Okay, great. So James, hi. Have you got any idea of what show I saw? Mm. Uh, ooh, no, Jake. Tell me. <laughs> well, I went to Clayton. Which every time I say it, sounds, sounds as if I have a new thing to say about Clayton. 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 Went to Clayton. Did you to go to? Yes, to go to the performing arts building there. Not the performing arts building. The one where the show was. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's right. The one where I did Spring Awakening, and you came and saw it. I came. People who don't know, I came and saw Jake in a production of Spring Awakening before I even knew who he was. Yeah, you were just a just a Melky or just slut. a person that loved Spring Awakening. Is that what it was? You loved Spring Awakening. We loved. Yeah, I was in um, a school production of Aida at the time. Aida. All of us were white. Um, <laughs> set in Egypt. Most of the sh- most of the characters are Nubian. Anywho, um, <laughs> you weren't <laughs> Nubile at all. <laughs> Nubile. <laughs> I played an Egyptian um, uh, uh, priest. Oh, there you go. Uh, so we, the group of us, were just musical theatre nerds, and we came and saw Spring Awakening because we were like, guys, Monash is doing a production of Spring Awakening. So we went and saw it. Jake's in it. <laughs> yeah, we said that. Yeah, yeah, we very excited. Um, yeah, so I went and I saw Salesian College and Sacred Heart Girls College's production of Disney's Beauty and the Beast. It's a long title, <laughs> Disney, isn't it? It must be. It's Beauty and the Beast, the Disney one, the Ellen Menken one. It's got to be right. You know, the one where she opens it by being like. Fuck this town! Fuck this town! And they're like, we're so hungry, please teach us to read. Because <laughs> well, like, they're just like, she can read. <laughs> you think you're better than us? <laughs> Show us your guts! Um, yes, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. I remember once in this very room we're currently sitting in recording, because I used to live in this room, yeah. um, I opened the window, and as I looked out, there was a woman down in the courtyard hanging up her laundry, and I remember saying, 
Good morning, Belle. <laughs> to her. She did not think it was funny. <laughs> that's so funny. I was like, come on. That's funny. But no, she sort of went, oh. Anywho, so Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I'm going to jump all around the place because we're relatively familiar with the story. Do it. And so I think you just yank the conversation in whatever direction you find interesting. I'm ready to get yanking. Okay, great. <laughs> um, Marlo Taylor played LeFou. A surprising place to start? Absolutely. LeFou, that's the... the no one drinks like Gaston, right? <laughs> yes, Gaston's little pal. But I want to say that I definitely preferred her portrayal to Josh Gad's performance in the live-action film version. Would that be hard? Mm, that's a very... Yeah. <laughs> um, what, but, yeah, what was her portrayal But I thought she was great in the way that it was like, it was cool for LeFou to be a woman, and it was okay. cool for LeFou to be just kind of like this cheery, grunty, kind of like, just guy that's there. <laughs> in the way that, You're like, describing what LeFou is nice always. To have. Um, I guess I'm just still res- residually mad about Josh Gad being the representation of a gay person in Disney. Oh my god, he danced with that one guy. He danced with that one guy, but then also on top of that, he was playing a gay guy in the sense of like, okay, so it's like an unconventional looking gay man obsessed with this really beautiful straight guy. Yeah, true. It's like, yeah, oh true. good, this again? Yeah. <laughs> that's <Ugh>. Anyway. <laughs> that's you every time you fall in love with someone, Jake. <sighs> <laughs> I don't like the relief that you just felt having gotten that out. Oh, <laughs> felt good. Felt good to say. Um, um, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> a joke. We're having fun. Yes. We're, all, we're all laughing. You can tell fun. because of all the laughter we're both going through. Play the laugh track, yeah. Johnny. <laughs> so yeah, no. Um, so yeah, Marlo, Marlo Taylor was. It was great because it didn't seem like anything that she was doing was coming from a place of kind of like a vaguely romantic obsession with Gaston. Oh, that's refreshing. It was just kind of like this upbeat guy that's just kind of like, oh, you're cool. Because even in like the Disney animated one, I sort of project onto that that little LeFou that mm. he is in love with Gaston. Sure. It's kind of hard not to. Yeah, whereas this seemed kind of like they were friends as, like as children and then one of them turned into like really hot and the other one just ended up being like... LeFou. LeFou. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me is just the, the um, Beauty and the Beast version of Smee from uh, uh, P- Peter Pan. Smee being... <laughs> okay, that somehow hasn't jogged my memory. Smee is like the second mate, first mate. The, to Captain Hook? Yeah, yeah, he's one of the he's, he's always a bit dopey and just little, he's always there and he doesn't quite know what he's doing. Okay. Smee. So Smee. in this partnership, I'm Captain Hook and you are Smee. <laughs> Is that me no, understanding no, no. this correctly? You're Captain Hook. I'm Peter Pan. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Fuck me, Captain Hook. Oh my god. <laughs> I read, I read a lot of fan fiction. Let's move on. God, I'm happy for us to roll with that dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Yar. Um, what else? Oh, my God. Just so I can get it out of the way so I don't... Oh, my God. First off, I cried twice during this production. What the fuck, Jake? Were you in the front row again? No. I was in, like, the front row of this... So it's sort of like... There's like the cl- a cluster of the weirdos that wanted to sit at the very front of the the, uh-huh. um, the auditorium. Then there's like this like walkie gap that you can walk through from like one side of the auditorium to the other. Yep. And then I was the front row of that section. The normal section to want to be at the front. So, <laughs> yes, let's pretend I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so I was sitting there. Which was good because they like a number of times came out into the audience and like walked Ooh. around, which is a thing that I'll come back to. But that's oh, I'm excited thing to, to hear you about You need it. to factor that yeah, into yeah. things. Um, uh, what was your question? About why I was crying. Yes. <laughs> so- <laughs> And my question was, could you finish saying what you were saying earlier? <laughs> so, so I started absolutely crying. Oh, your question. Anyway, I've reached a point where this conversation is humiliating. Where did we begin? <laughs> um, I need to point out that let's not get sidetracked by the name Will McCracken. Perfect name. That's a great name. Will McCracken. Will McCracken. Um, played. Oh my god, I didn't even notice this. Plays Chip. 
Perfect casting choice. Oh, Kraken. Oh, was oh. it Wilma Kraken or Will, Will, Will McCracken? McCracken. Okay, right, right. Will McCracken That's played really Chip. Is this why you cried? No, this was not why I cried. Okay. <laughs> it's connected to why I cried. Oh, okay. But it's not why I cried. Don't okay. make me sound like some sort of puss. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> um, it, he was playing Chip. And I don't know if you've ever seen Chip on stage before. No. Chip, of course, being the... Little, little teacup. The little the teacup son of the teapot. <laughs> yes, son yes. of, son of um, Angela Lansbury. Yes. <laughs> um, and he came out in like... The, you know how they tended to do it? Where it's like, it's on a trolley. Like the cup's on a trolley. Yeah. And so they hide the cast member in the trolley and then just the head is inside the teacup that is oh, on top sure. of the trolley. Oh, that's horrifying. But okay, yes, but it like, is. But like, the first time this kid gets wheeled out as a teacup, <laughs> for, oh, for the first time in my life, I was like, had this very specific experience of like, God, I wish I were his father. Oh! Just, no, no, just for the sense of like, can you imagine being someone's dad and you see them get wheeled out onto stage as a teacup in a musical. I just think that would Take. be the cutest thing you've ever felt. Yep. Don't okay. you think? No, I think so. That's just my son. Hearing you and watching you describe this is uh, horrifying. Horrifying? To me. It's, no, not horrifying. That was a bad choice of word. Just intense. Intense. I'm so, these were intense feelings. It's a like, good feeling. Imagine. Yeah, oh. It's That's like, really cute. I don't often think about wanting to have children, but it's like, if you promised me that my son at some point would play you. a musical teacup and I'd get That's to see it. That's pretty cute. That's really I cute. I think I'd die on the spot. That was super okay. nice. Cute. Good um, on you, Chip. Yeah, good on you, Chip. Good job, Will. Um, yeah. Um, I just, I don't want to get hung up on just like listing a bunch of cast people in a row. No, I like so it I guess when you do. We'll talk about <laughs> why I started crying. Thank you. I think the first time I started crying was when... <laughs> And I held it in because I was surrounded by family members of the cast. <laughs> and no one else. And no one else. <laughs> um, so the first time I started, it was like, so like I'm sitting there, Maurice, which is a whole separate conversation, oh, but Belle's dad gets to the castle, sits in the little chair. And can then can was, I guess, did Maurice sort of go through the wilderness through the audience? No. Oh, that would have been a no. choice. The wolves that attacked him emerged from the Oh! Yeah. That's cooler. Yes, which... I, I had this thought while I was watching it. We need to come up with some sort of name for when there's like an elaborate group number and everyone has a beautiful costume, uh -huh. but you only see the costumes a maximum of twice. <laughs> sure. Because it's like when... What was it? Uh, in The Wizard of Oz that I just saw. I yeah, think it's yeah. a really thing connected to like high school productions. of In Wizard of Oz where there's like, oh, we, yo, soldiers yeah. came out. Yeah. And they all had these beautiful costumes, these big furry hats. And you and only you see them, them two times. Wow. <laughs> and it was the same with the wolves in this. There are two wolf attacks. But in each attack, there's like eight wolves. And they're all dressed beautifully as wolves. Yeah. But they spend maybe a total of one minute on stage. We need more wolf productions. We need more wolf productions mm -hmm. to get more use out of those costumes. Yeah. I'd see wolves, in, in wolves the sense of like, be? it's like cats, but it's wolves. Oh, yeah, I'd be down for that. But with a plot. A plot much Dear more distinct. Uh, you ask much. I do. <laughs> a plot. A plot. <laughs> you selfish demanding. More dancing. <laughs> um, yeah, but at some point we need to, if anyone out there has a suggestion for what that phenomenon could be called, we need help. Yeah. But yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, a beautiful co like group costume you see maximum of twice. <laughs> right in. Right in, everyone. Right in. Um... Yes. So what was I saying? So You're yeah, saying they came on. Maurice. Maurice gets into the beast's castle. Yep. Sits on the chair and is like greeted by all of the human like furniture. Yep. And I was like, Oh no! This is why, why is cry? this moving me? Why is this moving? It you? was, and I was, I was looking, 
at these people that we need to go into in detail, but like looking at the candlestick, looking at the clock, looking at the wardrobe, looking at the fucking teapot. We were filled with a sense of pride. It, not pride, because I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. I was filled with the sense of like, this is the most magical thing. <laughs> this is so magical. This is like, I was just like, this is absurd. Like, the fact <laughs> of like, these magical creatures are talking to this elderly man in this bear man's house. <laughs> and it's just like, like this pretend... you, were, you were transported. Not to transported. Place. Like, am I in magical France? Yeah, that's what it's sounding like. Oh Jake. my god! Which I keep. I always forget it's in France. And then, but I was like, I think it was just because it was so earnest and absurd. And it was like, and I feel like I think about this too often. It's like, ah, what's beautiful about theater? It was mm. like, it was just nice that these kids were in these beautiful costumes playing these yeah. talking trinkets. And I was like. This is the goofiest. Someone's made those costumes. And we're all here looking at it. Yeah, and it's like, that's really this is nice. So funny. The thought of these kids having to like rehearse being a clock. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're all watching it. And they're doing it really well. And he's a clock. Oh my that's god. That's great. That was the first time. I okay. Alright. That's, that's happy crying. <laughs> um, in terms of the musical itself, I forget I forget about all the songs that aren't in the movies. Are there more? There's a bunch of them. Really? And I'd say they cut the right ones. Because yeah, okay. the songs that <laughs> are in this that I didn't know were in this kind of just slow everything down in terms what, of the way that the plot moves. What sort of songs are you talking about? What There's moments? a song where I first off want to flag that Ben Wheeler plays a really great Maurice oh, cool. in the way that he comes across as just kind of like this like sweet, softly spoken, kind of just like well-meaning oddball. But he plays odd in a way that isn't like the, oh, good, oh, good, oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's not a whole prospector. He's not. He's not. Like, <laughs> he's not just some goofball that's like transparently just like. He's a got more dumbo. dimension to him. In the way that he's just like a lot simpler and just kind of like seems to exist in this town as just kind of like a like he enjoys being around his inventions and is just very like quiet and keeps to himself. Oh, that's like nice. it was a much more intriguing version of Maurice that Ben managed to play. Good on you, Ben. Nice. Good on you, Ben. And he also was tasked with the like the, the this difficult thing of like. Him and Belle have this song they sing to each other, which sucks. It's a bad song. <laughs> the two of them deliver it really well, yep. but they, um, the song's just bad. It's just like, it's the two of them sort of looking at each other and being like, I sure am glad you're my oh, daughter. Yes. And I am really glad you're my dad. <laughs> it's like, more. <laughs> and that's the content of the song. Is this because you reckon it's a, it's a, a school production? They have to add in more? Like, I don't think so. It's written as that I'd way. imagine they would be pretty rigid with giving the rights to people. I think they would say that you have to do everything that's in the script. I don't think they leave you much room to wriggle huh. around. But the, the only thing that came out of this song that I was grateful for was I think the final line of it is, you're all I've got no matter what. Aww. Thought that was a nice that's sentence. That's a nice little line. Yeah, it's sad, but that's cute. Yeah, but also not, like, not sad too. Like the thoughts that, like, regardless of what happens, I know I've got you. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. I'm analyzing it in my brain. I'm like, yeah, no, the ethics add, add up. That's cute. Right. Yeah. So that's nice. Um, let's keep jumping around at random. Be our guest. Okay, now I want to go ahead and go ahead. interject here. I remember yes. working a function at uh, the ballroom that I used to work at. Yes, and. There was a, a event for a large touring group, and one they did three events in a row, in, in three nights for three different groups of people, and the, the entree was served, it was timed to be our guest. Oh. And we had to come out in time and serve in time to be our guest. Is that just entering at the start? Entering or? at the start, and like the way we had to walk sort of was like, it had to be in a good line. So oh like, they gosh. really choreographed just the start of it. Sure. And then the rest of it was just normal sloppy service. But... <laughs> Yeah, standard was high in that ballroom. Yeah, standard was always high. Um, 
but yeah, that's my that's my personal uh, experience of be our guest, and I'm looking forward to hearing what what these school students did with it. Oh my god, <laughs> two words: cutlery helmets. What? Yeah. <laughs> be our guest is of course all of the cutlery singing and dancing around, being like. And the Have plates. dinner. And the plates. <laughs> Don't forget the flatware. Yeah. Yes, and the napkins. Yeah. Yes, cutlery helmets. Super duper into it. You need it. to tell me more about these cutlery helmets. Imagine a helmet. Okay. Spray painted gold. Okay. Whack it on a child's head. Yep. Then glue a bunch of forks to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked great. <laughs> okay, you're not describing it great. I'm a bad describer. Okay. But it was, yeah. That sounds um, magical. Yeah, no, it was so good. I really liked, and I don't know what her name is, and I don't know if I should say what her name is, but I loved this one performer that was in the ensemble for this number because I'm pretty sure she was chewing gum and barely, like, what? But she was like, she was hitting all the moves, but she looked kind of just like she wasn't very into it. And I loved that attitude. <laughs> the fork that's come up to do her daily dance. Because that, that's what, it worked narratively because it's like, yeah, if I were a fork, maybe I wouldn't be in the mood. I'm not jazzed about it. <laughs> Yes, and it's like, maybe you don't think, as I think is, and this is the thing I guess we'll have to come back to. It's like, yeah. maybe I don't think this scheme to do a dance number before dinner is going to help this kidnapped woman fall in love with this lion she's with. It's a comforting song. It's a com- Be our guest. Be our guest. Sure. Try the grey stuff. It's delicious. Try the, is that the lyrics? It, yeah, try the, try grey the grey stuff. It's delicious. The grey don't stuff. believe me. Ask the dishes. Uh, the dishes. Right. I do not ask my dishes often. Grizzly bear underwear. <laughs> Turtles next. I've, I've got, got my share. Oh, Christ. Which brings us to the very necessary discussion that okay. we need to have okay. about Peter Liptai playing Lumiere oh. so immaculately. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. Oh, because that's my... The most important character I went in the in, show. I was talking to my friend Chanel about the yep. stakes that existed before I went in. It's like, if Lumiere doesn't blow my mind, it was a waste Not of my time. Peter. Peter. Oh my God, blew me away. Oh, really? Oh my, just in, like him and Cogsworth. So like Liam Knight was playing Cogsworth. Mm. And of course their band's out like makes or breaks the show. Absolutely. Doesn't it? Ewan McGregor and Ian McKellen. Oh, they tried their best. They did. But yeah, no, but they, oh God, they were good. But yeah, no. Oh, great. Peter's, okay. Even just, like, his body language was immaculate. Like, he would... First off, he had, like, little light bulbs that would illuminate <laughs> his... So you have to imagine the way they've done the costume, which I is, like, the way people tend to, is, like, you give them, instead of hands, you give them these big, chunky oh, candle pieces. Big crab these claws. big, heavy yeah. crab claw candle things with, yep. like, little light bulbs in them, which he controls, right. presumably, with his little hands. That's pretty cool. Oh, my God. But it would mean that he'd, like run around <laughs> with these big candlesticks up on his hands. And he'd hold them like above his head and just sort of like flail and run. It's the best one I've ever seen. And what was amazing, spoiler alert, when they become humans at the end, oh. he still runs like that. <laughs> That's it's funny. incredible. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Peter, well done. Well done, Peter. But yeah, he was funny. He was great. And he also, and I think this was unique to him, seemed to have this energy of like, he he was almost on the audience's side for the whole show. What do you mean? I think I mean, and I don't know if I projected this onto Peter because I was just so into the way that he performed this. But it was like, it seemed as if he knew what was going on was a bit goofy. But he was like, right, and, right, like right. he was kind of smarter than everyone else in this castle. But he was like, <laughs> kind of like pulling all the strings. It was like, Cogsworth, <laughs> we need to make them fall in love. But he kind of has this oh, smile he's, he's, where it's like, this is the dumbest plan I've ever come up with. Strings. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. What a good performance. Super good. Yeah. Super good. Um, what else happened? Um, Angus Allen played a really great Gaston. Oh, that was fun. Pivotal role. Would you enjoy playing Gaston? I think the only time I would enjoy playing uh, Gaston is the... the um, Kill the Beast. What's that song? Kill the, the Beast. Not the, Kill the Beast. The, um, like, follow me. Let's not... Follow... Kill the Beast. 
What's that song? Yeah, the Follow Me song. No, no. It's time to follow me. Yeah, that one. That one. I think that song. You enjoy doing that more than that Gaston song where it's like, I'm really hot. Yeah, because I don't have that confidence. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, but like, follow me. We're going to kill a beast. Heaven. James. Yeah. This is a whole other conversation we have to have of like, do you know what it's like to watch Gaston try to rile up a bunch of high school kids, some of whom don't seem to care what's going on? Do they? It was great. Did did it work? Did he rile them up enough? He riled them up enough for them to then come out into the audience and walk in a line right past Jake and his stranger friends. That's pretty riled up. Stranger friends are the same as strangers, but, but they're sitting next to you during high school production. They haven't killed you yet. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. So you and your non-murdery friends watch these children just walk past you. It was great because obviously it's like a high school production, so there's so many kids. So it's like Gaston oh. riling up flawless LeFou and then a bunch of like variously engaged students behind LeFou. Oh. Perfect. Being like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it, everyone. Bob. Yes, but it was great because I feel like that's almost how a like a like a group of randoms would respond to that kind of that, that type of like. I'm never gonna be the person to be like, absolutely. Yeah, I'd be much yeah. more likely to be like, okay, <laughs> I'll follow if you follow. Yeah, I guess we'll go kill that monster. Dare we say sheeple? Sheeple indeed. Wake up, sheeple. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> let's slay the beast, idiots. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, but it was like I love a whole school number. Fuck yes. Yeah. And then it was like, and then this blessing of a thing happened where they all came past singing their like terrifying Kill the Beast song Mm. right past us in the audience. And you get to see these people that you've just seen on stage really, really close to you being like, let's go kill that beast. And what was great about it was that like you, you really, it was like the thing. And I think this is part of, and this is the thing that I think we'll be talking about for a some time to come. Oh, good. From this <laughs> the, one particular show? I, it was a thing that like oh. just made me super aware. And it was, it was to do with Lumiere's performance. It was to do with this group number. It was like, what is it that is so magic about high school productions? And I think there's a lot of answers oh, to that question. Yeah. And I think part of it is, because it isn't like a polished up production full of all these professionals that are trying to just commit real hard to the vision of what a spectacular musical should be. Mm. It is a show, like it's a style of performance that is always going to have inherent in it the things that make it recognizably kind of like a non like insulting version of amateurish. Yeah. Like yeah. You're, it's really, I'd say well, very re- cut their teeth, you know, it's where they can actually start the it's journey completely. Yeah. And it's also because of just like the number of people involved and then being students, like it's people that care to a varying degree as to yeah. what they're doing. So it's like, you're never, you're never going to have that full immersion of like, being able to imagine that you are in Paris. There is something very enchanting about just watching people who are just so happy to be there. Yeah. Do their thing that they want to do. Yeah. Because that's not something you see all the time in a cast. No, totally. Yeah. Even the people that... And that's not to say that it happened in this production. But yeah, but that's... Even people... And they weren't in this show, but people that even don't seem to necessarily want to be there very much. But it's like, it's amazing to kind of have that dual experience of... uh, that I, that I think is kind of specific to high school productions. Mm. The thing of like, you fully have that dual experience, especially when you're watching with friends and family, of like, this is just a bunch of kids putting on a show and telling a story together. Mm. At the same time as being in magical France, watching a, like a crazy <laughs> monster fall in love with a girl that likes to read. And everyone is clocks. And everyone is clocks. You know, you get to have those yeah. two experiences the entire time. Like the suspension of disbelief is at this weird height that um, it's only yeah. kind of at for high school I productions. I haven't seen many high school productions recently, but the ones that I have seen, I've got to say, I have really enjoyed for that reason. Right? Yeah. Like, it's just been fun to watch the innocence. I also, I think the thing I love about high school productions is, as you said, there's already there's always so many students. They often embellish the scenes to be like, all right, now this line's going to be you. And then all these lines that would originally be one singer are like, 
a town of people yes. chiming in to be like, wow, well, I've got this to say. Absolutely. I think that's always fun. And like when they find, and they, they people get creative with the script to be like, well, this one line references Queen Elizabeth. Let's have someone walk across the stage dressed as Queen Elizabeth. Like when like, we saw <laughs> Ladies in Black. <laughs> High school production of Ladies in Black, the oh best thing God. I've ever seen in my life. Best thing in my life. And they just, they really, they they rang every last drop of interaction with Oh my god, we saw Joan of Arc. Did we see the Statue of Liberty? We saw the Statue of Liberty. We saw a full World War One costume. Like, we saw all of it. Just because they were referenced in a song, in a list, these costumes were made. They were there. Paraded past (laughs) us. And then never seen again. Never seen again. Perfect theatre making. And I love it when they do that. Yeah. Great stuff. No, again, that's a thing we need a word for. (laughs) Lavish costumes. Right in. Right in. Um, what else happened? Beauty and the Beast. Well, Jake. Yeah. The Beast. The Beast. The Beast was played by Gabriel Kapaklis. Lovely. Um, yeah. Great time. Difficult to do. He had a mask on the entire time. Yeah, I want to know about the costume. Because, you know, there's there's Instagrams of, like, bad Beast costumes. Like I didn't just... know that existed. Yeah, there's, like, like uh, there's at least one. <laughs> so maybe... <laughs> It's just one that I make. I know. I almost would rather there be one that you made. <laughs> As opposed to a, like a it's like it's like that group. Instagram where they just sort of um, have compare all the different el- like um, Elphabers and Glinders. Elphabers and Glinders. Yeah, it's like that, but it's just bad beast costumes. Fantastic. So, did this make? Yeah, it no. Great. This one wasn't bad. No, no. This one, like, yeah, big indigo cape, um, little like stumpy feet, and had like a, like a mask that would move with his jaw. So oh, that's like, impressive. You know, so his mouth would. Work. I'm sorry, the face that I I just made a face. I just turned the page in the little um. Uh, oh, he's looking at the program. Program here. Gold coin donation. The ensemble's in the foyer. fucking huge. It's a big ensemble. It's that's a, bunch a of big kids. ensemble. Yeah, you weren't lying. Well, you smoosh the theatrical passion of students from two schools together. You're gonna get a pretty big provincial village. That's a good point. And I'm now looking at the photos of them all doing the actual thing, and I can see Lumiere's little costume. You can see. Oh my god, it's such a costume. Oh my god, this is so good, Jake. Sorry, carry on. I'll no. be screaming in the background. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, so just to paint a picture, James is currently looking through the program. Chip! Chip. He's seen Chip. Chip. See? (laughs) Can't you imagine being his dad and just being so jazzed? That is the cutest fucking thing in the world. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, and Will McCracken, not just playing Chip, also played the narrator at the start. So he comes out. So the first thing, what you see is this beautiful set, which is really nice and has those like fly things. So it's like the things get lifted in and out to change the setting. Wow. Um, And so, yeah, so you come in, you see this beautiful set. And then you see like this opulent chair, which has like this big like book on it. So it's oh. like, how are we doing this? And then the first thing that happens, little Will McCracken comes out and reads like the story of when like haggard old witch comes and visits Hot Prince, and the Hot Prince is like, get out, and she's like, ah, I'm was gonna there a ruin your life. It was a haggard old witch. Okay, every time there's a witch, we need to talk about the witch. There's, so, so a quintessential like mysterious witch. Perfect. So like like you know like Snow White witch cloak. Yep. Um, head down, Great. bubbling along. Entering in, having Perfect. lots of secrets, and then yeah, want a flower? <laughs> and the prince is like, "Get out of my castle, you, you ugly old, old you old witch!" <laughs> and she's like, "Hey, <laughs> I just wanted to give you a flower." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now look at my secretly nice face and red dress, and also <laughs> now I'm going to ruin you and the lives of all the people living in your oh, house. Oh, did she turn sexy? Like, did she take the cloak, the cloak, cloak off and be like, "High school students, not she sexy, wasn't sexy, but you know what I mean." She turned yeah. like, "Oh yeah, no, she turned." Yeah, she revealed to be like, "Oh, you're pretty, and therefore you matter." <laughs> Yes. Ah, shit, what have I done? Yes, oh my god, yeah. I was mean to a hot person? That's the cardinal sin! And she's like, correct? Correct? Yes. Beast mode activated. Yes. And now all these fun people living in your house with you have to be clocks and whatnot. <laughs> you look like a fork. 
Do you reckon she chose? Such a good threat. There must have been some sort of logic behind the magic there. Like, do they do what is closest to their service? That's what I was wondering. I was thinking, did she make Lumiere a candle because he runs like a candlestick? (laughs) I mean, if he ran like that before, maybe. Yeah. Is Cogsworth... What would you be? Well, this is the question. That's that's also not to go. Yes, Cogsworth, that being his surname. But maybe that's just why she chose a clock. It's like, that's funny. Like the reason you would make Will McCracken into a cracked teacup. Because his name is Will McCracken. That's a really really good point. What's the name of the pot? Is it Miss Potts? It's Miss Potts. Yeah. So I guess some of the work was done for the Enchantress woman. Yeah, I guess so. But what would you be? James Hardy. Assuming that we're basing it not on name, because if we went by name, you, of course, would be a brick. I would. (laughs) I'd be just a brick. Yes. yes. And you'd be a stew. I'd be a, I'd be a big pot. You'd be a big pot. <laughs> Based on um, name. Do you have an idea of what you would be? Uh, da, 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 da. I think I'd be like... A, I think I'd be like a piano. Wait, so do we first have to imagine that you're serving a prince in a castle? Yes. Or... I think I'd, I'd like to be like the jester. Like the, the king's little foolish man that comes in and says silly little things. Okay. So I think I would... I'm bored. Like... Bring in James Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my lord! <laughs> like that sort of vibe. Okay, and so then he offends a secretly hot lady and then you, you turn become... into... James Hardy, the... Like I'd almost be like a... Like a... Like I could just turn into a jester's hat. <laughs> Your own hat. You'd become your own hat. I'd become my own hat. No, that's <laughs> Do you have an answer? What would you be? What would you be doing in the castle? In the castle, I think I think I'd just be a Getting snarky laid. waiter. <laughs> Get laid. You know, just sex mostly. <laughs> so you'd be a um, snarky waiter. I think so. You'd be a fool. If I have to work in this castle, I don't gravitate towards any of like the cleaning or to any of the. I don't know if he has entertainment, but apparently he's got a jester. He's got a jester, I, maybe. I, uh, I, I could be like a disgruntled chimney sweep. I don't know if you have a resident, like a one living oh, like on the, resident. Oh, like the sweep, the sweep from the chimney. Yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah, the actual. Yeah. No, I think you'd be a, surely you'd be a book or like, if we're in that castle, a quill. A quill? You'd be a quill. Oh, you would because be a quill. Because I'm, I'm good at tickling people. No, because you write things all the time. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's important to, could you just read out, I've got it, it's in the yeah. program, the name of the woman that played Mrs. Potts. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Potts was... It's De Rosario, I think? Shania De Rosario. Shania De Rosario has yeah. such a lovely voice. And, yeah. Oh, that's thing- so nice. Especially for a Mrs. Potts to have a wonderful voice, it's such a gift. Such a gift. Because so often it's, Tyler's oldest time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the thing. She has to carry the theme song. And yeah. also carry maternal energy for her little teacup. <laughs> True, which is not necessarily a fun energy. <laughs> sure. But it sounds like she did that. Which I'm happy to hear. She was great. She was really good. Um, yeah, I, I, but it, she, I, it, I didn't notice this until, because when she sang it the first time when they do their dance in like the big yellow dress, yeah. um, oh. I didn't notice this because I was just focusing on how great her voice sounded while she was singing this dance song for them. But then it was like when they sort of like, re, re, like reprised it later with like the whole cast singing Taylor's mm. All This Time, which was beautiful. Yeah, that's lovely. But it also made me realise how weak the lyrics are just in terms of like, it starts off really beautiful when it's like, um... Song as old as rhyme. Like all those phrases. And then to go Beauty and the Beast (laughs) just seems a little bit shoehorned. Like, let's put the title here. Like, Beauty and the Beast is not a tale as old as time. Or is it? I I think it's an older tale than a Disney story. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. I mean, Beauty the lyrics the are not genius. I guess because it's such a nice love song, I wish that you could repurpose it and use it elsewhere, but if you're going to put on Taylor's <laughs> all this time, the teapot is going to say Beauty and Beauty the Beast. Beast. Like, it, it could be a great first dance song you know, at a wedding. That's the theme song to uh, the 
Beauty and the Nerd or Beauty and the Geek. Beauty and the Geek. Yeah. Beauty and the Geek. That's fun. That's fun. But yeah, but yeah. Otherwise, that song can be used for other things. I'm just gonna completely interrupt you here. Do Where it. the hell's Barbette? Oh, is ba- oh is Barbette the um feather duster that Lumiere sort of has? It absolutely with? is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, god! Yeah. And how could I forget her? She was so good. Oh yeah. <laughs> I almost had the feeling of like you know we're almost accumulating this list, and maybe that means the list isn't right. But it's the list of things that people just seem to be able to do. Oh good. These yes, like no, stock female characters where it's like. Like, oh, yes, like Moni vampires. <laughs> and then bar people. Bar. And, and then, yeah. So, yeah, and then like giggly feather duster. Oh. She, oh my God, really, really good at it. Fun, I love that Yeah, character. well done, Alana. Yeah, it was great. French well done, accent, Barbet. running around, feathers on her hands. Is she, the French accent, oh, that's yes. the best oh. part of that. Look, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, great. I'm feather duster. So you can't do a French accent. No, I'm not as talented as her. Amazing. Another week. Another week. Another week down the drain. Yeah. God. <laughs> you agreed. Sure. Seven nah. days closer to your death. Jesus. Um. How? How? how that was fun. <laughs> I don't I forgot how we end this. Yeah. No. No. It's complicated. Um. Anyway, <laughs> as long as there's nothing that you want to talk about before we close this baby out. No, I would say that um the Arjuna Guest House is on for another week, so go along and see it because it's really good. Great. That's okay, all I have on. to say. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Um, let us know if you're doing something. Give mm. us tickets and we'll come and see it and then we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it on this show. Yeah. You're listening to. Yeah, this here, one here. Presumably. Um, otherwise, yeah. Um, bear in mind, we may already disagree with everything we just said. Yes, yes. Um, I, I actually noticed this time there's a few things I've said this week that I think completely counter what I've said weeks before. So. Well, that's growth, isn't it? It's growth. And if, whether it's growth in a good way or a bad way, it's growth. The other day, Heather McDonald said that that's what intelligent people do. Their minds change about things. Well then, Heather McDonald from the silver screen. Uh, she's a comedian. From the screen. From, yep. Uh, I agree. Um, and I would also say that friends don't let friends become play. You never get critics. it right. Playwrights. Oh my God. Theater critics. Go again and get it right. <laughs> friends don't let friends become theater critics. Fantastic. All playwrights. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. We have an email. We do, praisedionysis at gmail.com. We have an Instagram. It's praisedionysis. <laughs> um, it's been nice chatting with you all. Yes, it's so nice good. to be back. I've missed you all. Um, I'll be here next week. Don't you worry, babies. Yeah. Um, Great. Good. I like the way you make that promise as if it's not going to jinx your health or anything. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely won't be here next week. Um, you watch. You watch. Over. <laughs>